Welcome to Lydia Finette's Claim Your Confidence, a podcast that will introduce you to the most powerful women in the world as they talk about their own confidence journey. No matter what obstacles you face, Claim Your Confidence will inspire you, motivate you, and give you a roadmap to live the life you want. So, are you ready to claim your confidence? Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode eight. My name is Lydia Fanette, and this is Claim Your Confidence. And I could not be more thrilled to be in Rockefeller Center, Newsstand Studios, which if you're joining me right now on Instagram, you guys are hopping on. Hi to everyone who's joining. You can see there is a sign for the number for the live call-in show. You guys, this episode is airing on March 21st, which is the date of the publication of my second book, Claim Your Confidence. So if you're watching on Instagram right now, you can see it. We're so excited. And I am so thrilled out of my mind to have my best friend, Mary Giuliani, sitting right in front of me to help us all talk about claiming our confidence. So first and foremost, a word from our sponsors. A little bit more about Mary. So I want to start off by explaining why I have brought Mary Giuliani here. I have known Mary since I was in my early 20s in New York City. She was working at Make-A-Wish. I was working at Christie's in the events department. And I don't think either of us was particularly good at our job, if memory serves. No, not strong, not strong. Through the many mistakes that we made together, I think we were united in our work ethic. Mm -hmm. We were united in our friendship. And we kind of always wanted to get things done. Mm And we've also always been dreamers. So the fact that you're sitting here right now is absolutely crazy. I believe we are each other's biggest dream enablers. Absolutely. And I think that that's all the reason we are here almost 20 years later. Almost 20 years later together. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) So I want to tell you before we start this, Mary, we already have a phone call. But for (gasps) those, I know. It's probably my mother. It might also be my mom. So hey, mom. We are here to help you build up your confidence because honestly, anytime I'm having any self-doubt, anytime I'm feeling uncomfortable, the person I call is Mary. I talk to her pretty much every morning yes. uh, just to get that. And I can hear it in her voice if she's not having a good day. She can hear it in mine. And we are each other's confidence boost. And that is what we are here to do for you. So Absolutely. let's take our first phone caller, Joe, who is the amazing producer and newsstand is standing Ooh, by. Joe. Hi, viewer. What is your name? Hello. Hello. Hi. hi. Welcome. To, we're so hi. excited. You're yeah, our first hi. caller. Audrey. Oh, hi, oh gosh, Audrey. Hi. How I'm are so you, happy. Audrey? It's so wonderful to hear your voice. It's great to hear your voice, Lydia, and it's been so much fun for me to see all your incredible adventures over the past week has been topping even for you what a typical week is. But um, I've been excited about these questions, and I have a couple, but I'm going to start with the one that I think might be the most interesting to hear the answer. How much of confidence do you think is based on being prepared and how much on faith that you'll be able to improvise? And do you think that that combination is different for different people? I'll start off here because I definitely think that preparation is a huge part of confidence. Because if you walk in feeling prepared, 
then you're going to feel great about the things that you know. And I think it also gives you that confidence to continue on when the, those moments of weakness come. I can tell you just from last night, and I just posted this on Instagram, and this is a little bit of a spoiler yes, alert. tell us what you did last night, so Lydia. last night I had kind of an amazing night. I was able to teach Savannah Guthrie, who is such an incredible human being, let's start there, how to be an auctioneer. And when I spoke to Mary this morning, I'll tell you exactly what I said. It was an incredible moment because I am so confident on that stage because I've put in so much work that I, didn't, I wasn't even nervous. It felt so real and ready for me. And that is what preparation has done for me in my life. So I do think preparation is a crucial part of confidence. And over-preparation is just how some people approach things in life. I'm not overly prepared, yeah. but I am always prepared. Mary, I'm I think definitely being prepared, but with a little room for spontaneity, because yes. I think for me, the most yeah. authentic moments that I feel that I'm myself is when I'm completely off script and completely go into another direction, which I might do a few times during this podcast. So I apologize, <laughs> Lydia. But, you know, being on time and being prepared, number one, you're setting yourself off, yeah. uh, I think, on, on the right foot. I think so, too. Yeah, I definitely think you are that. very prompt. I am too. I think like you are always on time. Too. I can thank my mother who I'm sure is listening to this. Yes. Audrey, this is another thing. Really One sad. other thing I always think about when I walk into meetings is if you are on time, you are never on your back foot. Correct. If you walk into a meeting and you're late, yeah. you're immediately apologizing. Mm -hmm. You're immediately flustered. If you give yourself the time to get somewhere and even get there early, mom, you must be so proud as you listen to this. <laughs> you really do have the ability to control the situation because you're not on the back foot. You have arrived right. on time. And if someone meets you there, great. And if they're late, then they're on the back foot. And Correct. frankly, that's kind of an advantage too, Absolutely. especially in a negotiation. But let's hear more, Audrey. What yeah. other questions do you have? So my other question, so I love that answer. And I also love what Mary said about, um, you know, it kind of is a little bit of both, but because I think like you, it's like you need your base layer, like your primer of like knowing yourself. But then I think what really separates people that, you know, make a splash is that they can kind of like roll with the punches and you kind of need both. So I was yeah. just interested to hear your guys, are you to, you know, have a take on that? <clears throat> my next question. How do you see your kids starting to build their confidence and what is that like to observe as a mom? Well, I want to throw this one to Mary because you guys don't know Mary's daughter, Gala, but she is incredible. She comes walking into a room with nothing but confidence. And I think I'm a very confident person and I can see that in my children, but to see it in a friend's daughter mm -hmm. is amazing. And I know what your parenting skills are. So talk about it's, Gala for a little it's bit. It's just, it's really simple. It's keeping that light on. Like for me, like you could see a light in your child and, and it goes in and out and just trying to keep it as bright as possible. Something that we've been doing lately, cause she's now in second grade and there's, you know, challenges that come up and what she's good at versus what she's not good at. And something we've started to do lately, she's struggling with reading. And so she'll come home and say, mommy, I'm just, I'm not a good reader. I said, okay. You know, and like, I, I don't, it's not a big deal. A lot of us, I said, okay, that's great. Let's get to that in a second. Tell me like five or six things you're good at. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And she'll say, well, I'm going to do a good, really good cartwheel. And she can do it. I'm kind really of funny. I'm like, no, you're really funny. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, so you just listed six things you're great at and you're struggling with something. We're not good at everything. We all, you know, and that's what makes this world mm. so fun and exciting because there's, you know, so it's just, it's little things. It's listening. It's, you know, something else saying, I believe you. When she tells me today, she told me that a leprechaun broke into our house and, oh. um, and I guess my right. face showed that I didn't really believe her. <laughs> but you told her that She's you like, you're supposed her. to believe me, mom. I'm like, I know, but okay. <laughs> you get, you got to just keep the light on. And I tell that to her teachers too, when we have our mm -hmm. parent teacher conferences and they say things like, you know, she could, I said, 
that's fine. I said, just when that light goes off, you got to let me know because that's when we have to readjust. So that's such a great way of looking at it. And she does have such a light. And I think that goes to the point about parenting, which really comes down to what are you doing with your child to make them live uh, their own full life? Because this is something Mary and I talk a a lot Mm -hmm. about as parents. It's sort of like we know what we want them to do when they're born and we have our expectations. But how is our parenting style going to allow them to be fully formed human beings when they leave our homes to live their own life? Because it's kind of a selfless part of parenting. I think if you've done it well, your children embark on this journey that is really about what they want in their life. Seeing them, seeing them for what they want to be, not for what you want them to be, which is a different way. Something we talked about this morning that I think we should talk about, about Put instilling confidence. Lydia travels a lot and a lot, for yeah. work, and it's it's amazing. And every once in a while, you'll say, "Oh, you know," yeah, and I total mom guilt. Total mom. Yeah. We all have mom guilt. Yes. I mean, I you know. But I said to her, "Now, could you please negate that? Because what you did last night for your daughter by bringing her there to see you in your power, to see you in your light, is." everything. Yeah. It was an amazing, it was an amazing moment. And Savannah brought her daughter Vail too. And they sat at one of the tables watching us both on stage. They bid the entire time (laughs) and the entire room, no paddles. And when you're seated in a large room, you can't really see who's bidding. So people could only see two battles and neither of us was taking their bids, as you can imagine. And at one point I saw Savannah, like give Vail the mom look like, put your paddle down. (laughs) It was very fun. Yeah. And it is, there is something about that. I've brought my children along a lot. And again, going back to my mom and my dad, who've just been such a part of my journey and have been such a support system. People often say to me, like, how do you do this all? I mean, I am so fortunate in the sense that my parents are so engaged. My in-laws are so engaged. My siblings are engaged. I mean, we are literally a village of people. Mm -hmm. And that is why I'm able to do it. Like sliding my mom or my mother-in-law or my father, my father-in-law in in when I travel with my husband makes me just feel like they're getting as much love, frankly, maybe too much love and way (laughs) too much Nutella. Um, (laughs) But I think that gives me confidence, you know, in life. It really gives me confidence. Any other questions, Audrey? Yeah. I sure do. Actually, <laughs> Audrey, Audrey, came uh, Audrey we love this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I saw this come up on Instagram. I was so excited. And I went right to my notes app and wrote down my thoughts. So I could pull them right up. We love you, Audrey. So, and I also love, I, I'm the mother of a, Mary, Lydia knows, but I'm the mother of an almost nine-year-old who's also very fiercely proud and, you know, working with her on like, what she wants and figuring out what's a good, you know, need to have and a want to have and working towards things. And I agree. It's the daily, you know, exercise. Yeah. Um, checking in. The one thing I love about your approach, Lydia, is that you show so much of the sparkle of your life, but you also really show all of your building blocks. And you yeah. talk about, um, you know, like hearing all of the no's before the, you hear the yes and then it's all mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. What do you think people um, need to understand about how that really works on like a molecular level? Like, how do you balance the, you know, everyone loves to see kind of a highlight reel, but it must be so much like behind the scenes, just, you know, making the connections and plugging away at stuff and then, you know, cutting your losses, maybe if necessary. Yeah. What do you, what do you want people to take away from that? Because that's going to happen to them too. And then if you think it's going to, you're just going to step into this amazing situation where you're suddenly like, just like flying on a cloud and that doesn't happen and you give up, like, I'm sure that's not the message you want to. Not at all. So what would you say? 
You know, my second book, Claim Your Confidence, which comes out March 21st, I'm just going to hold it up Available on where all books are just sold. Buy this. It's a really good book. Uh, again, Claim Your Confidence by Lydia Finette. Uh, let's make this a New York Times bestseller. Everyone. I'm almost done. What I would say to that is so much about this book, and I really give credit to my editor for this book, because I tend to see everything in life through rose-colored glasses, and I have a relentlessly positive, some might even say annoyingly positive, <laughs> um, life view. Your best friend will say that sometimes. Mary sometimes says that to me. <laughs> but she said to me kind of a similar thing. She's like, it would be great if you really showed us when it wasn't so mm -hmm. great. And so in this book, I feel yeah. like I really delve into that a lot because I do think it's important and I think it's increasingly important with the world that we're coming out of, out of COVID, where there was a lot of darkness for people and there was a lot of sadness and negativity and you can't sweep that under the rug because it is part of life. But I also believe that you can choose in your life to be a positive person and you can choose in your life to push through those hard times and to hold on to the good times when the bad times come because that's the way you choose to live your life. And so what I want to show people is the behind the scenes, is the, you know, me going on stage is so glamorous for, you know, 30 minutes. But by the way, I've been backstage for two and a half hours and the event is running late and I'm sitting in a freezing yeah. room and I forgot my coat. Like that is the reality of charity <laughs> like the other day when she was at the Oscars. I, I sent her a text. I'm like, I want to hear everything. Who's there? What do you see? She's like, I've been in a room for four hours. I'm about <laughs> to go on stage. I'll let you know when I'm done. I was like, I, I yeah. crippled my feet. I, I wore the wrong heels, you know, but so it's all part of it. If I could jump in, it looks a lot of people ask, you know, as friends, obviously our lives are intertwined, especially on social media. And so people will ask, like, how is Lydia? Like, Lydia's always out. Lydia's always out. You make everyone want to be a better version of themselves in the sense of when I used to say I'd come home after like an event and I'd lay on the couch and watch a show. And, and then I would think about you doing a full day at work, coming home, taking care of your three children. But then you could have just really just laid on the couch if you wanted to. <laughs> you had a full time job. Yeah. You were you were fine to just do that. But no, you put on the dress, you put them, you fed them, you put them to bed. I, I mean, I tear up talking about it because then you'd put on the dress, put on the shoes and go out and in service of others. And the billion, are we in the billion with a B? We're in the billion with a B. Of dollars <laughs> you have raised for others <laughs> yeah. when you could have just chosen to say, hey, I had a great job. I have these great kids. This is wonderful. Night after night after night. So it's not vanity. It's actually in service of others. Um, so much of what you do, um, and I'm not saying anyone's claiming you have vanity, but you work really, really hard. Yeah, because I can see the impact of yeah. being on that stage. And I mean, I think it is self-serving because you have no idea the high of getting off stage after raising money for a nonprofit. Like when they set a goal and I can sense that the audience can get there and I get on stage and we're not quite there, after so much time, I have the tricks. And so if I hear that a, a nonprofit didn't hit a marker, it kind of breaks my heart because I'm right. like, I bet if you had the right person up there who knew how to push, it would happen. And so it was always such a motivator. But I also think you should lead by example. And I do have a lot of energy. I do love to you fill do. up my life buffet. <laughs> I have do. too much energy. I know. But I do think that that's also who I am. And I say that to people when I always get the question, like, how do you have it all? Like, what is your all? Yeah. For a lot of people, all like my life looks like hell to a lot of people. Just being on a plane, doing Going all out, these yeah. things. But 
I love it. I yeah. honestly do. I love traveling because when I travel, I see friends who live in different places and I get to try different things. So I think also the way you look at life is a really big part of it. And it's your your ability I and want to share. Like, so what she's doing is she's sharing. Yes, she's sharing her night. She's sharing it. But now with this book, the first book and now this book, again, you're not hoarding. Being your friend, I have been the joyful recipient of your confidence that's made me a better person for all these years. And you could, again, just save that for your friends and family or for yourself. <laughs> but no, in this book, you truthfully want everyone to succeed. Do you guys see why Mary is my best friend? No, no, no. But it's, 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 <laughs> this it's, actually, this yeah. entire podcast is going to be a hype section. No, but you do. And, and when my book comes out in a book, yeah. you'll do the same I for me. do the same no, for um, Mary's book, no, 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 How but listen, to Lose Friends and Influence No that One, is which is going to be a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hopefully. But, but you do. She genuinely wants everyone who's watching. She wants everyone, wants any, everyone at her dinner table, strangers. You connect people, you build people. And that is why this book, I believe, is the most authentic version of you. Again, you're continuing to share. Thank you, Mary. Hard question. And love that idea of like, what I get from Lydia is like, even if you're moving the ball like one inch, you're still moving the ball. Yeah. And we celebrate that win. Yes. And I think like, if you look back, you see how far you've moved it. And Lydia, probably, if you look back 10 years, you probably are astounded like how far you've come in that time, yeah, right? Because absolutely. you just kept moving yeah, and you kept moving forward. And that's something that I think is really inspiring and probably will really inspire all of your readers. Um, and also not focusing on the like being cold on backstage and maybe like you're probably, I'm sure you're exhausted, maybe your stomach hurts and all of that stuff, but like you're there. Yeah. That's what it is. It's so true. It just showing up, you're right? You're there and you're living. Yeah, it's just yeah. showing up. Well, yeah. And then I will let other people go is, who is your dream podcast guest? Oh, I mean, she's sitting right in front of me right now. Oh, I love you. I mean, honestly, I'm just excited to meet incredible people and incredible women specifically who are at the top of their game to learn about their industries. That's why I started Claim Your Confidence. I wanted to understand and show other people what confidence journeys look like from people who are literally, everyone looks at them from the outside in and thinks they've got it all, they're doing it all, but what did it take to get there? That's always my big question. Yeah. And in New York, I feel like I run into the most amazing women every day of my life. And I just think to myself, like, what if people had exposure to all of their stories and understood that they didn't grow up in New York City with everything that they have now? They worked their way up and hearing about that. So, and it's actually... That's what I've loved about this podcast yeah. is and it, that they pinpoint it to a t lots of times just one teacher said something to them, yep. one family member, one aunt or uncle says that just turned the light on for them. Yeah, it's absolutely. amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Let's take a quick break. All right, now back to the show. Okay, so Joe is literally putting up a new note card right now, and I'm going to read the question from Joe. Okay. And this is coming to you, Mary. Oh, gosh. What is your biggest confidence fail? Like, what was the biggest flop you've ever had? Oh, I've had so many. And you guys, you can keep calling 917-410-1507. I mean... While Mary tells us the story. On a day-to-day... -day, oh, I wished I had a good one. Like, my biggest confidence fail, I mean... I failed upwards in catering for sure. I knew nothing about being a caterer when I first took this job. I failed miserably when I started my little acting career when I first moved to New York. It was like failure after failure after door closed in my face. Well, there was um, also, why don't you tell the story, which I also love, which wasn't really a fail, but you left a catering company to start your own with a small amount of money. So talk to us about that journey. What is that like for an entrepreneur out there who is 
trying to figure out their confidence because I feel like that's the place that people oh. are just like, oh my gosh, I've been beaten down. And you've been, I you've run a successful catering company for over 20 years in New York. Yeah. And I've been beaten down many, many times. Yeah. And um, I think I always say to people that want to start a business, you know, start it when you've got nothing to lose. <laughs> and I really had nothing to lose other than all of my savings, which was very small. <laughs> I remember meeting, it's funny, I passed Phoebe's. It was a, it's a bar restaurant down in the East Village, which was around the corner from where I'd been working. And I remember calling my father, um, who worked in Washington Heights. And I called him one day to meet me. And he never really came to that downtown um, to the city. But I had a question for him. And I, I asked him, do you think I could start my own business? And he sat there with me in this booth. And with all of his positivity, I come from a very, very positive dad and very loving and supportive mother. It was just that his vote of confidence you know, made me leap, my husband's vote of confidence when I said, should we do this? And he left his career to help me start the catering company. So that vote of confidence really pushed me over the edge. I am no, not even close to where you are confidence-wise. On a daily basis, I beat myself up. And I can tell you a really good failure story. Yeah. I actually write about it in the book about my first time being on stage with, I was supposed to have a microphone. It wasn't actually my first time. I think I'd probably taken five or 10 auctions by this point. And I walked into a school auction, which if you're in the auctioneering world, the school auctions are kind of where you start training. So you go in there, you learn because there are lots of lots, which are items that you're selling. And over the course of an evening, you can mess up a couple of times. The parents are usually drinking, so it's not that big a deal. And I remember walking in and there were 300 people seated in the gymnasium or not even seated. They were just standing by the bar and they were so loud. And I walked to the front of the room and I stood by the event chair and we were waiting and waiting and nobody was sitting down. And finally, I said to her, do you want me to make an announcement? And she said, yeah, that would be great can I have the microphone? And she said, oh, there's no microphone. We just thought you would stand up there and do your thing. And I was like, what thing do I have that's going to be louder than 300 noisy people? So there was a father up there. He got up there. He wolf whistled. Everybody <laughs> kind of sat down. I'd say uh, maybe a third of the crowd sat down. Everyone's still at the back of the bar. And I got up on stage after they ran the video of the school. Everyone yep. was quiet for that. And then they started talking immediately. And they talked for over an hour and by the end, there were three people seated. It was a school artwork project that uh -huh. I was supposed to be selling and no one bid. Yeah. And I remember leaving and running home and sobbing in my bed. Like, I am never going to do this again mm -hmm. as long as I live. This was such a painful experience. But the interesting thing about confidence is you learn it over time in gradual steps. And if you don't put yourself out there and have those moments, then you never learn. And so... Probably. Failure is the best growth. Greatest growth moments are in failure. It is the greatest growth moment. You start this book with a great confidence-breaking story. Yes. Please, quick, I love this story <laughs> so much. Um, Your book signing? Oh, yeah, I know the story of my book signing. Well, actually, this is great because this will air on the day that I have a book signing. So please listen to this story. And, and let's not repeat. Come <laughs> to my book signing. I, I think I have PTSD because of this story. <laughs> uh, I have a book signing at McNally Jackson in Rockefeller Center on March 21st. And so the, the day that this launches, 1 p.m., in Rock Center at McNally Jackson, which has been an incredibly supportive bookstore. But basically the long and the short was, I went out to San Francisco after two amazing weeks in New York City of writing my book. I was really riding high. Feeling yourself. Feeling, I was like feeling it. literally optimist, delusion, total. This is a New York Times bestseller. I'm gonna just take over the world. And I arrive in San Francisco and I stay with my best friend Auburn whenever I stay out there because she's so fun to stay with, but also she, is a lawyer, but 
it should work for Glam Squad because she can do full <laughs> hair and makeup in like 20 minutes flat. So Auburn completely gets me ready. I get into the cab to go or the Uber to get to the bookstore and it's getting later and later and we're getting closer and closer to the timing of the book event, which was at noon. And so I could feel, you know, that sort of, as you, anyone who's almost missed a flight knows, we were just like, oh my God, this is not okay. And we were going closer and closer and we finally get there. I'm in high heels, full of makeup, full hair, and I go sprinting into the bookstore. And as I open the door, I see 50 chairs and there is one person <laughs> seated in the front row. Uh -huh. And I was like, Oh, no. Are you kidding me? One person. One person at your book signing. One person at my book signing. Mm -hmm. However, being a salesperson, I immediately thought to myself, okay, okay, I can convince people to come to my book signing. So there are other people in the bookstore. So I go into the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And when I start asking people, the first woman I asked, she looked at me and she said, do you have a gluten-free cookbook? And I was like, oh my God, uh, I don't work here. I was just wondering if you'd like to come to my book signing and I'm holding it. I'll show my Instagram audience, all of you right now. I held it up like, I'm having a book talk for half an hour. Would anyone like to attend? Would you like to come to this? And she looked me straight in the eye and she goes, Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Not even Hard just pass. no, just no, no thank, thank you. you. Oh, God. So that was so embarrassing. I think the bookstore owner was just like, you know, sometimes this happens and it's okay. It's very hard to sell books. Mm -hmm. yep. And then the door opened and my sister's friend walked in. So I was like, great, now there's a witness to all of this happening. Uh -huh. So that's horrendous. I finally recruited two people. Mm -hmm. So now we had, I think, four people, the bookstore owner, so that was five. And while I was not paying attention, a homeless woman had pulled her shopping cart in to the store. And bookstore owner said to me, she goes, do you mind if she stays? She can be a little disruptive, but she means well. And I was like, no, I mean, my God, I'm a charity auctioneer. No one's ever quiet when I'm on stage. So also now there are six people instead of five. So Perfect. please, by all means, Perfect. let's do this. There was another charity auctioneer who was actually moderating this panel for six people, which was even worse. He'd given up his time to come and moderate. I mean, there, the levels of bad were... The, the, you have to read it because this is a, your opening chapter. It's and my you were, opening chapter. I like how we're writing the high of the week. She goes to the airport to fly to this event. Her book's in the airport bookstore. Like on the shelf, like right there. Everyone's excited about it. And then ba -dum bump. But ba -dum. confidence is riding the highs and the lows. And, yeah. and um, that's the first chapter. And not being, get, getting broken. The whole thing it. about that first chapter is you have to understand when you are putting yourself out there, you will have moments in your highest moments that literally take your breath away because yeah. they are so spectacularly bad. But if you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to have those moments and Absolutely. you're never going to learn. And if you don't crumble, I had a William Morris agent <laughs> tell me right when I first moved to New York and I got that like dream meeting with an agent. He said, you know what? You're talented, but you don't have a face for TV. Oh, that's and nice. I will do <laughs> That's what a nice that's compliment. All I wanted to do was be on television. And every single time I am on the Rachel Ray show, I think of that man. And you're like, I'm like, face you know for what? TV. Face for TV, look at it. Also, I um, would like to say, yes. I think you do have a face for well, TV. Well, you know, it's character actors. If anyone needs a mob wife, um, I could come in and play that. Also, yes. if there is an agent who's looking for an incredibly hilarious, dynamic woman, I Mary Julie. I am highly available. Highly, highly available. available. <laughs> okay, Joe has another online question. Joe, hold up your sign again so I can read it out. All right, I'm, you're, you're going to get all the online oh, questions because you can't see them and I can't. Oh, no. So next online question about okay. confidence. So if you think of being the most confident version of yourself, what does that look like? Well, first, it's in, in terms of fashion, it's comfort. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Stray Mary is been very to, comfortable. You've been to many events with me. When Lydia and I used to, we would traipse around these events in when we were younger in high heels and dresses. And I was never confident because I was so uncomfortable. And so, and as our style is completely different. Completely different. I am here in a, a jogging suit right now. <laughs> I am not wearing a jogging suit. She is not. Suit. So I think comfort is the first thing for my confidence. Like when I am dressed, like I feel, you know, myself is when I'm with my family and my kids and I'm, I'm when I'm just authentically being me, I'm the most confident. When I'm, you know, providing joy for other people, I'm confident. What about you? Where are you most confident? You wrote the book. I wrote the book on confidence. <laughs> you wrote the book. What's the most confident version of myself? I feel pretty confident on stage. Not even pretty confident. I feel very confident on stage. Yeah. It was interesting doing the Elton John AIDS Foundation auction this past weekend because there was this moment where someone said to me, are you really nervous? And I, I thought about it for a second and I said, I'm actually not nervous at all. I'm just really excited mm -hmm. because that to me is the ultimate confidence. And I think it's where I learned both the most powerful woman in the room is you, the lessons I learned in that book and now in Claim Your Confidence, a lot of them I learned from being on stage yeah. and from having to overcome every possible issue that could ever happen and then learning it all again during COVID. I mean, virtual auctioneering where I'd stand in my living room with my three children, just hoping to God they didn't come out, you know, yep. on a screen really trying to get money from people who were sitting at home on their couches. Like, what does that take? Right. And so it was kind of like a rediscovery of a skill that I'd had for a very long time. Right. But those things packaged together really brought me here to this podcast in yeah. many ways, you know, because it's sort of, you learn all these new skills and then you try to look in different directions for ways that you can apply them. Yeah. And you know, doing something on live. I did an Instagram live during COVID, which eventually because of a woman named Jordan Sandridge in Rockefeller Center. Oh, who we love you, Jordan. It. We love you, Jordan. Jordan was the one who came here and said to me, like, you should do a podcast with us in Rockefeller Center. And so all of these things, I think in life, I kind of always go back to, you have to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Absolutely. If you want to be a really confident person, you need to push yourself. Like you got to feel it. You got to take, take the, the shot. shot. Swing big, as Alexa yeah. Von Tobel always says, yeah. you know? And that seems to be, on this podcast, a great unifier of a lot of the women who come on here. It's that they aren't afraid to really take those risks. Yeah. And they understand that taking those risks is can be scary, but ultimately that's where the reward comes from. Can I ask you two questions? Yeah, of Okay, course. my eighth grade English teacher um, handed me back a, a paper massacred in red ink everything was wrong. And then on top, she wrote A plus. I brought it up to her. I was like, Miss Weinberg, clearly this is wrong. Like clearly you just, you know, and she's like, no, there's nothing wrong with this. She said, you're an excellent writer. Don't get hung up on the fact that your grammar and your spelling are pretty terrible. Um, she's like, because she eventually Microsoft Word would yeah, have exactly. a really She said, keep writing because you're a really good writer. And That's I will amazing. tell you that that is what, every time I sit down and write a story that Miss Weinberg, you know, I hear her. Is there, I've heard it on the podcast a couple of times. Do you have that one moment or that one person that, experience that, that? I think it was just always my parents yeah. and kind of my siblings too. You know, I, I think my parents were always huge supporters. They still are, you know. I think I was very mediocre at a lot of things right. and they were always cheering me on mm -hmm. in that mediocrity. Yeah. You know, I played on three sports teams in middle school that never won a game for four years yeah. and they would still show up and watch those games and cheer like they would. Yeah. And, you know, I remember leaving Louisiana to go to boarding school in Connecticut and everyone at boarding school was, I'd sort of come from, a lot of people had come from the Northeast mm -hmm. and it's just like a very different 
competitive landscape mm-hmm. than I was used to. I mean, I had literally lost every game on sports teams for three years. Right. So if you guys ever want someone who tries really hard but is fine losing, call me. I'm your girl. <laughs> I am fine to lose, but I will try, try, but try. Always a winner in her head. <laughs> always a winner in her own Always a winner in my own And, you know, it's funny because I think back on those lessons, those early lessons, and then going to this highly competitive school where I was on these sports teams with people who you know, had been going to sports since they were in second grade playing sports I'd never even heard of, like right. field hockey and lacrosse. And, you know, I was playing on thirds and people would be throwing sticks at the end. And I was like, guys, it's really not that deep. We're a high school team. Like, just literally no one cares. And by the way, over the course of your life, people will care less. Like, I could see it even at that point. Yeah. And I think that's all because of my parents. Yeah. You know, it was like, just try. Just get out there Bob and try. And Sally. Bob and Sally. Sally. I know, so great. With this book, mm-hmm. so I know, I, I said earlier, I have been the joyful recipient of free confidence school from you for years. And I think that positive female friendships really help yeah. confidence. Um, yeah. We've talked about this, the lady lobster theory, the building each other up. Yeah, but tell everyone about the lady lobster center. theory because you love this and I do I think love it's a this and I, and I, I can't tell the story enough. And I was watching television a couple of years ago and because um, I get all of my educational moments from television. I can tell you that that is actually yeah, true. I was raised by a television. <laughs> I just chimed in. There was a bunch of women at a dinner party and one woman says to the other, do you know when male lobsters get thrown into a pot, they build a ladder to all get out before they boil. When female lobsters get thrown into a pot, they pull each other down to the bottom so they could all die together. Now, again, <laughs> this has never so been like dark. proven theory. There's, I'm not a crustacean expert, but it made me think at the age of like 27, 28, when I heard that, like what ladies were in my lobster pot? Like, yeah. did I have good ladies that would help me build that ladder or were they pulling me down? And sadly there were a bunch. And so I really think, and that is truthfully, I think one of the the, the biggest, we've been friends for almost 20 something years now. Yeah. I think that we continue to build ladders for each other. Something good happens for me, I share it with you. Something good happens for you, you share it with me and and multiple others. And it's the building of us getting out of that pot so we don't end up on a plate next to the coleslaw. I don't think we ever will. (laughs) That's a great, that's a, actually you should write a chapter on that for your fourth book. Oh, you did. did. Pick up Mary's third book, it comes out. It's uh, how to lose friends and influence no one. I know, I think that the power of female friendship And just friendship in general can never be overstated. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me who my mentors are, and I say, my friends. Yeah. Because anything I need in life, I go to my friends to ask for. And when it comes to business, it's been the single most exciting thing to watch all of my friends rise up Mm -hmm. as they keep going, as they keep creating, and watching them fulfill dreams that they've set for themselves. You know, I talk a lot in my first book about this networking breakfast that I started with my friend Courtney Smith, who at the time was the head of events at Sotheby's, or she was the head of events at Sotheby's when I was the head of events at Christie's in our early 20s. And I remember when anyone would say anything about her, I had never met her. And I kept thinking like, oh, she's like my arch nemesis, Courtney Smith. You know, it was she was the Coke to my Pepsi because yep. anytime Sotheby's had a win on any of their events that were written up or photographs were taken, you know, everybody would say like, why aren't we doing something cool like this? So it felt like she was always nipping at my heels even though I'd never met her. And I finally had a chance to meet her probably 12 or 13 years into my career. She had left Sotheby's. I wasn't doing events anymore. And we ended up talking for four hours. She came up to me at an auction in California and she was like, I'm Courtney Smith. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're Courtney Smith. (laughs) And we ended up sitting down and talking for about four hours and just finding all these commonalities between our careers and our jobs. And she was just such a wise, insightful person. Mm -hmm. And we really became friends. And one night over dinner, we were having a conversation and she kept saying to me, 
do you know, you know, Emily, Emily, blah, 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 blah. And I'd say, it's so funny. I, you know, we've all been in the same industry. I can't believe I've never met her. And it kept happening over the course of our dinners and our lunches. And so I eventually, I can't remember which one of us said it. We were like, we should do something about this. Like maybe we should bring five people each to a networking breakfast. We'll sit down and we'll just open the conversation and everyone will get to do their professional networking with people they don't so know. Good. So we sat down at this table and she had five friends I didn't know. I had five friends she didn't know. I remember there was one crossover with someone, I can't remember who it was, but I remember them being like, oh, I know her mm -hmm. from both of our friend groups. And the interesting thing was the only question we asked, which I modeled after an incredible woman named Alexandra Labenthal, who does a lunch every December called the Ladies Who Don't Lunch Lunch. Yep. She asks a question. So I was like, we're going to do what Alex does at her lunch. And the question was, what are you working on? Yep. And I thought that that meant we were going to talk about work. Careers. Yeah. Right. And instead, it ended up being, I think the first person started talking about IVF. Yes. And then someone across the table started crying. Mm -hmm. And another person was like, I just went through it and had my baby. And it was like this immediate yep. thing. And it was, I remember thinking like, whoa, here we go. I mean, this is really an incredible thing that people are sharing this so early. They've just met. And then that was the link that started it all. And you realize that work became the last topic mm -hmm. that people would talk about when you ask them, right. what are you working on? Right. It was their dreams. It was their family. It was creating a family. And I think at the time we were all in our sort of late 20s, early 30s. And it was just this a magnetic breakfast. And we all sat there for over two hours. And I finally had to be like, okay, guys, I actually have to go, to, go work. to work. I know yeah. we are networking but loosely. It, but the last one I attended, how many people were at that? I mean, I think we capped it between, we had an outside guest list that had come in through the place that we were doing mm -hmm. it. She said, I think she had 80 people on the yeah, wait list it was, for six spots. It was really powerful. And with, with zero gain on your end, yeah. just just the, the, the gain, of course, was just the connection yeah. with everybody. Yeah. People and are the like, connection. you should monetize this. I'm like, this is what life is about. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, this is networking. Exactly. This is no, how you help each other. You guys have grown something amazing. And I, I've, I'm so grateful that I get to attend them because yeah. you get to meet lots of wonderful folks. All right, let's take another <gasps> quick break. All right, and we are back to claim your confidence. And Joe is holding up another sign. Joe has gone through an entire legal pad with all of the different things that he's <laughs> telling me over Mary's back right now. The next question for you, Mary, and this one is from Julie. Thank Hi, you, Julie. Julie from Massachusetts. So the next question for you is, if you were to say that there are two things that you would give advice about as it pertains to confidence, what are the two things that you would say to somebody who has no confidence and wants to have more? As it pertains to career, mm -hmm. Ask yourself, what do I love? Not what you think you're supposed to do. or And what is something that brings you joy? Something that when you're doing it, you find yourself in a zone, you lose track of time. You try to put yourself or surround yourself in things you love to find your career footing. In my catering company, I'm very fortunate. It's a lot of young folks moving to New York for the first time. And I always say to them, like, you might not love catering. You might just be here because it's a job, yeah. but you're in New York and we're going to see so many great things. So do it with your eyes open and you'll find out what it is that brings you joy. And, and, it, and it might not be this, it might not be serving crab cakes, yeah. but it might be, you know, working for someone else. Do it with your eyes but open. I love that. Do it with that. your eyes open and confidence in my life is just, is honest communication with, mm -hmm. um, with the people that I love. That makes me feel good. How yeah. about you? Two things to be confident. I think if you stop listening to other people, I think I made that mistake in my 20s of 
really taking to heart what everybody else thought oh. about what I was doing. And I even in my 30s did it as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Something somebody said this to me because I, I did. I grew up, you know, Catholic and a disciple of Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. So I was I was a born people pleaser. I wanted everyone to love me. I wanted everyone to think I was wonderful. And and they and not everyone will. And that's okay. And you yeah. don't die and nothing. Someone said to me very wisely, it's the people that know you the least that will have the most to say about you. Oh, I love that. Therefore, it means nothing yeah. because they don't really know who you are. Yeah. They can look at my Instagram and be like, oh, cater to the stars. <laughs> they didn't know that I had you know, miscarriages in the Christie's bathroom while we were serving the Elton John, you know, beautiful star-studded AIDS foundation. Like, yeah. so the people that know you the least always have the most to stay. And I find that empowering, especially in this day where all we wanna do is knock people down and and as you thrive and as you people you bring out frustrations on other people yeah and you just have to become like sort of teflon to that yes. that was sort of my that always goes back to the what i call the coulda shoulda woulda yes i found it amazing when i wrote my first book mm -hmm. how many people and i've told you this before because by the way i should put a pin in this because mary is the person who not only told me to write the book but sent me her book proposal and introduced me to her agent that is the kind of friend mary is who by the way I sold my book proposal to that agent, and now we both have the same literary agent. Like, how cool is that? Meg Thompson. Meg Thompson, you're amazing. You're amazing. But I do that all the time yeah. now, and I say it to people. I mean, I gave a speech earlier this week to 150 people, and I said, it's a coulda, shoulda, woulda mm -hmm. that I heard so much after the first book came out. I would, I should have written a book. <laughs> I could have written, like, I would have, and I, I would just be like, you can write right? a book. I will send you my proposal. I will give you Meg's information. <laughs> oh, I do. And what I always say I is I will give you her information. But after that, I'm stepping out of the process. Correct. So it is up to her as to whether or not you take it. Right. I've had like maybe one person, maybe two people actually take me up on out. that offer. I know. Yeah. It's interesting. I had a lot of people say to me, and I said this to you, I said, buckle up. I said, because you're going to lose friends when yeah. your book comes out. Yeah. It's just, it's sad, but you are. The barometer for me is it's easy to have friends in hard times. My best friend, Lauren Balkan told me this once, my childhood best friend. It's easy to have friends in hard times. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to have friends in good times. Yeah. And when you have friends in the best moments of your life, like the week before your book's gonna come out. Yes. Or, your best you know, friend sits in a podcast booth with you while people call in or write in and answers questions about all sorts of things about her life for no reason than others to be supportive. But those friends that look across, like I'm looking now and say, I'm genuinely proud of you and you genuinely feel it and understand that, those are the friends you keep those around you. And those friends build your confidence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. That's such a good point. All right, Joe, give me the next one. Kelly from California. Thank you for, we have Hi, a Kelly lot of alliteration California. here. Kelly from California. Thank you so much. And I guess I can take this question. Yes. Although I, you can answer it as well. No. We'll do the same thing as we did last time. So Kelly from California asks, has there been anything in your life that you would rewind and take back? Ooh. Which actually, interestingly, someone asked me in an interview recently, and I thought it was such an interesting thing because over the course of your life, there's so many moments that you're like, wait, if that hadn't happened, maybe this would have happened. But honestly, I feel like everything that has happened over the course of my life, and I would include even the car wreck in that, <sighs> I've learned so much from that I wouldn't take it back, mm -mm. you know? And I think that, that there's like a lot of weird stuff. And just to even say one more thing about that, one of the most remarkable things about being in a car accident, the severity of the car accident that we were in was on the other side of it, 
watching our friends and our family and our community rise, it's an extraordinary thing. I, I said to my mom, like in many ways, I almost felt like we had been to our own funeral. This sounds so dark and horrible, but it wasn't. It was actually beautiful. This is the last chapter in the book, right? This is the last chapter in the book. And, you know, I, I wrote very candidly about what happened, but also just that throughout that entire experience, getting to see the love and the community that you have created around you is a really extraordinary thing. And so, no, I wouldn't no. take any of it back because to see that is actually an incredible gift. And I was very grateful for you know, people who showed up at the hospital and pretended that they were my sisters, yeah. even though the nurses were I was like, like Shirley McLean. I was like, let me up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> let me see my sister. But I have to say one quick thing about that, yes. which is really true. I turned to you one night when I was supposed to be watching you, but I fell asleep instead. Yeah. I turned to you and I was I was breaking down and I said, Why you? I was like, Why you night after night you have helped everyone. You've helped friends, like, why you? And you literally, without skipping a beat, looked at me and said, why not me? Yeah. Life isn't and perfect. And that's when I knew that, um, yeah. Yeah. Life's Sorry, not perfect and it's not fair. It Don't start crying on our podcast. <laughs> Actually, people love tears. I know. Continue. All right. To All our right. phone caller. Yes. I hope Hello. it's a funny question. <laughs> Welcome phone caller. Who is calling in today? Hi, this is Jessica from Ohio. Hi, Jessica, Hi, Jessica from Ohio. Ohio. How are you? <laughs> I am doing lovely today. I am just uh, working from home this afternoon, and um, I am on Instagram and saw that you ladies oh, were live. And so when I chimed in, I heard you saying, um, you got to get out there and, you know, put yourself on the ledge. And so I figured yes. I'm going to call you because um, I do have a question Ask away. All right, great. Well, Leah, um, my sister-in-law shared your first book with me, um, which was totally an inspiration. Um, and it has stuck with me since I've read it. Um, and through stories and things that we have tried to, um, I think you guys were just talking about um, your networking group. And so we're trying to kind of build that out in our own way here in, in Northeast mm -hmm. Ohio. Um, and so we've done a, a couple of these and we try and come with like, you know, a thought or a question in mind with these ladies. Um, and this time what's been resonating with us is this idea of how to balance hustle mm -hmm. and arrest um, and just kind of getting some insight onto a couple of different aspects within that. Um, one being hustle, um, you know, that's kind of like a buzzword these days, but, you know, just knowing about your story and hearing how you work, um, and I think you mentioned earlier, even in the, the podcast today, that, um, you know, you work a full-time job, which many of us do, and then you move on into the evening hours and you go do your auctions and things. Um, and when you when you think about hustle, what framework or what do you think the best way to approach hustling is? Um, and what I mean by that is, do you think it's best to focus kind of on one thing or, um, you know, dabble in many different areas. And how do you <laughs> do that in a, in a, like a productive way? Yeah, this way. is actually <laughs> such a great question. It's my favorite thing to talk about. So I do think that the hustle is really important, but I also think in many ways you need to understand that you can hustle in one direction and it might not be the right direction. So you need to constantly be evaluating mm -hmm. what you're doing and figuring out if it is worth the time that you're spending doing it, you know? So I think about writing a book, right? Mm -hmm. Writing a book for me was something that seemed very overwhelming until, as I said, Mary sent me her proposal and I realized that I could kind of do it. 
And then when I sold the book, I still had to write the entire book because I only sold it based on one chapter. And so I was doing all of those things that we were talking about earlier in my job, but I also had to write a book and I had a very short timeline of about three and a half months. And everyone's like, get a ghostwriter, get a ghostwriter. But I didn't want to get a ghostwriter because I wanted to write those words myself. And so I set up a schedule of writing a thousand words a night, which is about an hour plus of writing. And that was it. I had to write a thousand words every day. So I would start on the subway in the morning. And if like, I would be writing while I was walking to lunch, I would be writing after mm -hmm. I got off stage or if I had any time in a cab, it was like constantly consuming my thoughts for 60 straight days, like a thousand words a day, mm -hmm. every single day. And so to me, that's one way to approach the hustle. Like I knew the book ultimately was something I needed to do. It was at a, I was at a place in my career where I was ready to have a larger career than the one I had created. And to me, that was what a book would help me do. It would give me more of a platform and somewhere to grow from. That's what I mean when I say hustle. It's like, you don't want to kill yourself. You want to basically create a system that's going to allow you to hit an end goal that is going to ultimately get you to the next level. You can do that in one direction, but you can also grow in other directions at the same time. It just depends really frankly, and we kind of talked this about this before, like the rest and the hustle. I like to talk about sprints and plateaus. I actually write an entire chapter about it in the book. I am in a full-on sprint in my life right now. And I mm -hmm. message this to my children. <laughs> I message this to my husband, to anyone who knows me. I'm like, I am in a full sprint for the next month of March, basically. I can focus on exactly what I'm focusing on that day and probably not that much more. And that's okay because I know in two weeks, this all starts to plateau again. Mm -hmm. I'm tired, like, by the way, and that takes a lot. Like I am, I am tired, ask any of my friends. Yeah. I am running on empty right now, but I know that lasts for one more week. And then after that, it all slows down again. So when you want to hustle, you always want to understand that there's an end in sight. Hustle is not like an endless game because you'll burn yourself mm -hmm. out and give yourself something to look forward to. You know, something you enjoy, whatever that is. For me and Mary and I Good talked work. about this earlier, it's like family time. I just want to be with my kids, right? So it's perfectly aligned with spring break. We're going to be with our kids mm -hmm. for a week. And so that for me, that hustle leads to that moment of like, okay, we're reward. all together. Hustle and that week reward. we're not doing that. What do you think? You are so much more disciplined than I am oh. <laughs> and so much. Um, this is why I got to read the book twice. I'm, I'm an extremist. Yeah. So I either burn, 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 burn and or crash, 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 crash. Yeah. And so that's been my work. Yeah. Um, I start my next book by saying that, you know, someone came up to me and is based on seeing me on Instagram saying, you're killing it. And I literally inside wanted to just scream, I'm killing myself oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I was at that time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what I needed to do. You got to take and, care of uh, yourself. Yeah. Like, the hustle do. does not mean that you grind yourself into the ground. But I you take your care of yourself physically. Yes. Mentally. You yeah. have a you have a, a workout regimen that you've had ever since I've known you. Yeah. Uh, Exercise for me is it is the most important thing in my life, especially now because I had a spinal fusion in my lower back. So I need that motion to keep moving. But even before that, I used to run five days a week. I never took more than two off because my mom will tell you whenever I'm in a bad mood, she'd be like, go run because it really cleared my head and brought me back to a normal, like even person. So I didn't mean to laugh when you said spinal fusion, but I did remember <laughs> when I called you the week after your spinal fusion and complained to you about my back. I know, I do remember <laughs> that too. Her husband called out. He's like, are you complaining to Lydia about your back? Anyway, Jessica, that was a total non -sacuary. Sorry, sorry about um, that. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Um, I really appreciate yeah, your, your absolutely. time. Absolutely. Jessica, we appreciate you. And if anyone else wants to call, please do. We have about five minutes left. And Mary, is there anything can I, you can tell us about your book as we wait for our next phone or internet 
collar. On yes. Them. And it's funny because I do tend to joke quite often and I find humor. Humor is my is my comfort zone and my happy place and how I... So the book is called How to Lose Friends and Influence No One. And it's a collection of essays. Again, I had a book come out called Tiny Hot Dogs, which is another, another essay collection. And it's funny because I said, this is not a self-help book. Lydia helps everybody. These are just funny little stories. And I realized at the end of this book that these funny little stories, I think will end up helping some people. And that makes me feel really happy. So I talk about everything. I'm really honest in this book and I don't know if it's going to, you know, come back and haunt me, but I, I just... Mary has a healthy um, Italian fear of the mafia coming after her. That's another thing we're working on. All right, we have a phone call. <laughs> I'm the one oh. who just dropped off. Oh, no worries. And so I sense you're from the that. South. I love a Southern accent. Um, Welcome to the show. I am. I'm oh, from South Carolina. My name oh, is Caroline. Caroline. I, my best friend is Caroline from South okay. Carolina. Oh, good. Good. And I'm going to see you next week oh, in Charleston. Yes. I'm really Come looking to the Charleston to Library it. Society. I'm coming yes, to the library. Yes, on Wednesday. Wednesday that. Uh, the 23rd. Thursday, the 23rd. Lydia will be at the Charleston Library on yes. the 23rd of March. And as will Caroline. My question is, do you have mentors? And... What kind of mentorships are they if you do, and what kind of information or help have you gotten from them over the years? Yeah, year? so I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think I've, I'm not, I, not even I think, my mentors are my friends, mm-hmm. without a doubt. I heavily uh-huh. lean on my friends for every aspect of my life, whether that be parenting advice or, you know, in my job, I will tell you, I, I love, someone said this to me once, and it stuck with me so completely, that everybody... Everybody you meet in your life knows someone and something you do not. So, you know, for instance, I think about when I was doing my masterclass during COVID, I had no idea how to sell online. It was really the one thing that was keeping me away from selling anything online and selling a masterclass online. And all of a sudden I had this moment where I was like, wait a second, Morgan Hutchinson, who owns Buru, sells every day of her life online. She's unbelievable. So I texted her and within an hour, I was on the phone with Morgan deep diving into the easiest way to sell on Instagram. And then she gave me the greatest piece of advice. She's like, sometimes if I don't know how to do something, I set an Instagram timer um, on Instagram and that makes me figure it out. And it was even, I mean, if you think about today, this phone call, it was a very similar thing because we didn't really know what we were doing or how this was going to work. And about 30 seconds before we're like, okay, we think we've got got this. (laughs) We think we've got this. Joe's got this. Joe's got Um, this. (laughs) So I would say, you know, think about your friends, not only as friends, but also as resources in your Mm -hmm. life, as mentors to you because if people are doing different things and they're doing them well they have a lot of tools that you can use if you're open to asking for help which I think is probably one of the most important things that mm-hmm. we can do as women absolutely yeah 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 and asking for help can be hard yeah, sometimes. absolutely it can but you know what once you start doing it, it becomes addictive. Absolutely. And I wrote an entire chapter in my book about this too. So yeah. definitely pick that up as well. And I'll talk to you more about this at the Charleston Library Society next Thursday. Great. I'm, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to it. it too. And we have another phone call. So thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. And I look forward to meeting you. All okay, right. take care. Hi, who's this? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys, it's Gretchen from Cookies How are you? Oh, you guys. Oh, Gretchen, wait, quickly, quickly tell <laughs> us about your, your incredible, incredible mission. Oh, my gosh. Gretchen, jump on. Tell everyone who's listening. This is your platform. We love you, Gretchen. We do love you. (laughs) If you want to. Otherwise, everyone Um, look her up. The the feeling is mutual, my friend. So I um, raised money for pediatric cancer research. Pediatric cancer is the number one disease killer of children in the U.S. It kills more children than asthma, AIDS, MS, and MD combined, but receives one of the smallest slices of funding. And it all 
started after my little boy Liam was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And at the time I had no idea about these statistics, but I'm very grateful because I have women like you in my life who have helped carry me forward after Liam lost his battle. And I've been the great beneficiary of watching Lydia do her thing on our stage. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that Lydia's efforts and the efforts of the organization have literally saved kids' lives. So thank you. Gretchen, the work, you do the work. No, Gretchen, you're amazing. You are an incredible woman. And anyone who is listening to this podcast, (laughs) it's Cookies for Kids Cancer. Donate, donate, support a dollar, five million dollars, whatever you have, do it now. They make amazing cookies too. Just yeah, they so do. <laughs> I've had a lot. <laughs> Gretchen, what's your question? Thank you, guys. No, thank you. So my question, because um, I I have this this conversation with my daughter who just turned seventeen a lot is um, you guys, what would you say to your twenty something year old self? Yeah, about confidence in terms of oh, confidence. Yeah. Like how because when you're 20 something and you're just starting out, like what what is it that you would say to that 20 something, you you at 20 something about how to work on your confidence and where it's going to lead you? I think be open to everything. Say yes to every opportunity. You know, I can tell yeah, you Don't I follow have, the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. Do what you want to do. You know, one thing I will say as I look back over the course of my life is that I said yes to every opportunity that came my way. I never said no. And even if I didn't fully understand what that would lead to over time, I've realized that it allowed me to make mistakes. It allowed me to overcome issues that I thought were going to be horrible that would never, ever work out. And they did. And then I learned a lesson on the other side of that. But also to not live a fearful life. You know, don't be scared of things. Really go after things and don't be scared about what other people think about you. Don't be scared about the perception of what you're doing. Like, be true to yourself. Because I know in my 20s, and we talked about this earlier too, there was so much people-pleasing going on. Oh, gosh. And also just, actually, I was stirring the pot with so many people because I was so concerned (laughs) with what other people were doing and I had to talk about them all the time. Like, my Mm -hmm. 20-year-old self was insecure, wanted to fit in. Me too. And now I look back and I'm like, what a waste. I know. You know, like what if I was living the life I live now? Oh, mm-hmm. I would have surrounded myself with people that had similar mm-hmm. interests than I do. People yeah. that, I, yeah, I just, I followed the crowd too much and, and I, I, I'm, I, I really do regret that. And I think. But you also said earlier something, and I'm going to just say this out loud one more time. Yeah. Like, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Live with your life with li- your eyes yeah. open. Don't put mm-hmm. your head down and do nothing. I also think at that age, you think you know everything. And I think to me, the most confident people are not the know-it-alls. Yeah. The most confident people in life to me are the people that every single day learn from everyone. Yeah. There is something to learn every single day from someone if you're open to that. If you think you know everything, I don't think there's room for growth there yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. But also... It's okay to make mistakes. Don't ever forget that. That's what I would say to her too. Like make all the mistakes. It's okay. You're going to dust yourself up and you'll be stronger for them for sure. She's a great girl, Gretchen. Whatever you've done, you've done a great job. And it's those mistakes that built your confidence. Yeah, yeah. You know, like your confidence is something that grows yes. over time. I'll say too, you know, when I, a job that I had when I was 20, when it was 22 or 23, it make, was when I worked at Make-A-Wish. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I switched from, I had been in, in industries, I worked in entertainment, I was trying to be an actress and I went to work at Make-A-Wish and do something for someone else brings you confidence. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Now, Gretchen, we are signing off because we're at the end of our podcast. But thank you so much for Thanks being for our coming. last caller. I can't wait to join you in October. Bye, Gretchen. It's cancer. Thank you to all of our people who called in or all of our listeners who called in. Thank you to our online questions. Mary, thank you so much you. This for the This is going to be it. This is the book, Liz. Yes. I'm calling it. Claim your confidence. Date, March 21st. Claim your confidence. I hope you guys will pick it up. I hope you will gift it. And when Mary's book comes out, How to Lose Friends and Influence No One, make sure to pick that up too. We'll be signing these books everywhere. Please come to our signings. And a huge thank you to Joe, Joe. for making this happen. We appreciate you and to Rockefeller Center too for everything in this amazing podcast. So amazing here. Listen in on another podcast and I look forward to meeting you on book tour. Definitely come to Charleston on the 23rd at the Charleston Library Society and I'll be posting everything on Instagram from there. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.